Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible. So I started a, a sermon series called FAQ, Answers Your Questions About the Christian Life, and we've looked at things about how to pray, how to develop a prayer life, how to handle finances. And today, I want to preach on this subject. Jesus dealt with it, and it's this, how not to worry. How not to worry. We have a lot to worry about nowadays, don't we? I mean, a lot. Literally, things we used to take for granted we have to wonder if we should stockpile in the future, right? We used to have these things that we just assumed would be there that we can't even make that assumption anymore. You say, preacher, like what? Um, how about garage doors? You can't get garage doors for your new house nowadays, so you got brand new houses boarded up with uh, uh, plywood because you can't get garage doors now. How, how about this? Computer chips. Computer chips, cell phones, uh, everything in your house, just about. Your toaster uses a computer chip, I feel like. Can't get them, and so they're hard to come by. How about this? A lumber shortage. Lumber. You, see, you saw this on the news, right? They seize an estimated street value of $1.7 million. Some two-by-eights that were found uh, at the border. Uh, lumber. How about this? Tissue paper. Right? I won't ask you if your basement is stockpiled with tissue paper like some of ours, uh, other people's might be, excuse me, how other people's might be, but uh, uh, how about baby formula? Like who in the world thought we would run out of baby formula? And and that's been such huge on the news. How about coins? Why, Why are we out of coins? Here's what I read about coins. Number one, people don't use them as much, which I thought would put them in circulation. But here's, I read an article just yesterday about coins. Why is there a coin shortage? Because when people pay with cash and they're given coins back, we don't put the coins in our pocket. We don't carry them around. Men even used to have like a coin purse type thing they kept in their pocket. They pay with quarters and all that. And when's the last time you went to a store and something was $10.17 and you counted out 17 cents? Nobody does that anymore. And so what they said is everybody's putting their coins in their pocket and they're taking them home and putting them in jars and they're not putting them back into circulation. So we're literally running out of nickels and pennies. How about this? We're out of chlorine. Chlorine. Factory blew up, some different things, and next thing you know, we're out of chlorine. People went chlorine crazy during COVID, right? And, and so, how about this? Maple syrup. There, there is, I did not know this, that Canada in November 2021 released 50 million pounds from its maple syrup strategic reserves. Who knew there was strategic reserves of maple syrup in the world? There's like people gathered around a table and like, should we release it or not? I don't know. The world depends on it. Do we need to release it or not? And they released 50 million pounds of it. How about Christmas tree? You can't see it because they're so tiny. Christmas trees. There's a Christmas tree shortage. People got out of the business 10 years ago and it takes them a while to grow. And because of some drought issues, you can't get enough Christmas trees. And then finally, how about 
gas and oil. Right? We're experiencing that now. If you look at this price of gasoline, the Ukraine war, different things, you'll see what the price has been. And literally, this was two weeks ago, literally, the price shot off the chart, off the chart, off the chart. Right? And, and you got things like this. How much is gas now? Arm, leg, and soul, right? Diesel number two, your kids. It'll take your kids to, to, to buy that. Would you see the, the uh, guy that proposed to his uh, fiance and he gave her uh, two gallons of gas? He went to Exxon, not Jared, but to e- e- Exxon. I mean, that, that's the world we're living in. And all of that adds tremendous anxiety to, can I, can I say it this way? The normal anxiety we have in everyday life. Like, like the truth is, my normal anxiety and worry didn't need any help or encouragement, did it? I mean, just before we had all of these shortages and all of these issues, just our normal worry in life, just our normal anxiety in life. Can I tell you, my normal worry didn't need any help. I didn't need something else to go to bed and to worry about when I lay in bed at night. So here's where we are. We have all of this normal worry in our lives every day, all the time. And now we have extra worry. And our worry and anxiety monster can grip your heart and life. And our worry and our anxiety is climbing with no end in sight. So here are some questions we have to ask ourselves in the midst of all this. Do we as Christians just accept this anxiety level and worry level and learn to live with it and just stay in this stressed out state all the time? Does knowing Christ make a difference when it comes to worry? And does Jesus even know what's going on in my life? Those are the questions we ask ourselves. And Jesus spoke to all of that in the Sermon on the Mount. So would you stand with me as we take the Word of God and read what Jesus said? And it's on the, it's on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you. You may be seated. So in this passage, Jesus maps out the cure for anxiety for the believer. Life was no cakewalk 2,000 years ago. And to be truthful, life is not now and has never been a cakewalk. And we all have to deal with the same anxieties previous generations have had to deal with. Like we, here are the same anxieties. I just listed most of our anxieties out, right? First of all, you've got like safety. Now back in their day, 
it was really war on every hand. It was violence on every hand. And you worry about safety and you worry about things like sickness and you worry about things like security. By security, I mean, will I have the necessities of life on a day-to-day basis? And we worried about, we worry about sufferings that come our way and how to be a success and what I call send-off. I'll talk about it in a moment. That is how we die and what happens when we die. All of these are the 90% of the, of the worry that we all do on a daily basis, right? That is what they worried about in Jesus' day. That is worry, what we worry about in our day. So how did Jesus know? And, and by the way, technology doesn't change our worries. It just maybe changes the way they come at us, but it's still the same worries all the time. So how did Jesus tell them how to deal with their, their worries and how does it speak into our worries? Well, Jesus often dealt with questions. So I want to ask us five questions today. Ask us five questions out of this passage that will help us not to worry. What are the questions? Number one, question number one is this. What is the biggest question of life? What is the biggest question in life. If I can answer this question, maybe this will help me with my worry. And here's what Jesus said in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is it life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus is about to tell us how he is able to provide for us with all of those things we worry about. And before he tells us personally how to deal with all of these other things. He wants to put a proper perspective on life. He wants to put a proper perspective on food, shelter, and clothing. And here's what Jesus says to us. He's trying to get us to answer this question. What is the biggest question of life? That's the whole purpose for verse 25. What is your biggest question in life? Can I tell you what your biggest question in life is? Death. Death. At the very beginning, Jesus wants to frame the question of anxiety and the question of worry, and he wants to get us to get a proper perspective on it. And so here's what Jesus said. Let's deal with the biggest question. Let's not worry about food, shelter, clothing, all those necessities, security, safety, success. Let's not worry about all those. Let's First of all, worry about the big question of life. What is the big question of life? The big question of life is death. And Jesus is trying to frame the question of worry and get our minds off the temporary and get our minds on the eternal. The biggest question of life is not a temporary question. The biggest question of life is an eternal question. And our anxiety level goes awry when we only think in terms of of this life and we don't bring into consideration all of eternity. At its core, all of our worry and anxiety is about one thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but all of our worry and anxiety is about the future. It's about the future. Did you know... Studies will say we deal with now okay. Like we're fine in the moment. Even though the moment may be bad, we're fine in the moment. Our worry and anxiety comes about the future. Not this moment, but the next moment. Not this day, but the next day. Will I have necessities in the future? 
Will I have protection in the future? What will my health be in the future? What will my relationships be in the future? Our worry comes from the future. And Jesus said this. Now, here's how he's trying to frame the worry question. He's saying, let's extrapolate that all the way out to the extreme, right? That what if what you're worried about kills you? You've heard the expression worried to death. The ultimate worry is fear. So Jesus said, let's, just, let's extrapolate it all the way out. What if that thing you're worrying about, what if it kills you? Well, the good news for the believer is he has taken care of the death problem. Can I tell you this morning, it can't get much worse than death, right? Can I get an amen? You with me there? Can't get much worse than death. And so if Jesus has taken care of the biggest question of life, here's what he said in 2 Timothy 1. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, and he brought life and immortality a lot through the gospel. He has abolished death. And so the gospel of Jesus, your personal trust in what we just sang about, his death and resurrection of Christ for you and for your sin, that takes care of our final worry. So that's why Jesus walked up and said this, don't worry about your life. Well, how could he say that? Because he's already solved life's biggest worry, death. So can we, just, can we just say it for what it is? You say, preacher, I'm praying everything gets straightened out. I'm praying everything. Well, can I say it? It may not. It may not. We're going to talk about it. It may not. So if nothing goes right here, if you don't have anything you need here, listen. If all of your fears come true here. The fact is, he's got you if you've got him. He's got you if you've got him. If you've taken care of the ending of your life, you can have peace about the present of your life. If you haven't taken care of the ending of your life, hear me, you will have constant anxiety about the present and about your future if you've not taken care of the ending. In, in 2011, this man named Don Saunders um, needed money in the wee hours. I'll just say, he was, he was at a party and wanted more money. He was being rambunctious and he wanted more money. So he went to his ATM and he tried to get out $200 and his ATM wouldn't give him $200. And he, he, he just wanted to, you know, so he said, let me, let me try this. He said, I'm going to try to transfer money from my savings, and he was at the ATM between 1 and 3 a.m. He said, I'm going to try to transfer money from my savings account into my checking account and see if I can get the money out that way. Well, he tried to transfer $200. Here's the funny thing. He didn't have $200 in his savings account, but it went through. And then he got $200 out of his checking account. And he thought, well, that's, I don't know how that happened, but party on. And he went back to the party. He lives in Australia. About five or six o'clock in the morning, he couldn't get it off his mind how he got that $200. And so the next night, he went back to the ATM between one and three, and he tried it again. And he tried to transfer $500 that he didn't have from his savings account to his checking account and withdraw it, and it worked. And then he tried it with $600, and it worked. And then he kept trying it. 
And over the next five months, he had withdrawn $1.6 million. All between one and 3 a.m. He was partying it up, renting private jets, paying for his friends' college loans, throwing lavish parties, and he had found a loophole in the system. There was this loophole where the computers were like, um, they were like counting the money. They were like going through uh, programs, and somehow when he transferred money over, it didn't register as money. Being, so anyway, he was just, he's just printing money. He's printing money. Five months in, one point six million dollars and he, he he didn't get caught he literally ne- he never got caught but he started having anxiety and he says if you read his story that he started dreaming about SWAT teams busting down his door and getting caught and going to jail for the rest of his life so five months in after he'd got 1.6 million dollars he stopped and he called the bank and he confessed to what he had been doing And the bank said, it's a police matter. We're just going to report it to them. But you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And all that day he sat by the phone waiting for SWAT team, prison, nothing happened. And nothing happened the next day, nothing happened the next day. He started seeing a psychiatrist to help him deal with his anxiety of a SWAT team bursting down his door. Two years later, the police had never contacted him. He had never heard from the bank again. And every day he woke up in a cold sweat thinking, one day in my life, the SWAT team is going to bust down my door and I'm, it's going to be miserable. And he couldn't function. He couldn't sleep. And his anxiety and worries on the charts. So you know what he finally did? He called the local newspaper and he confessed to the newspaper and he called the local television station and he went on a show that we know here called A Current Affair and he confessed on A Current Affair. And he basically said, I want the police to come arrest me. Because I can't deal with this any worry anymore. Worrying about what's going to happen. Funny thing is, he got arrested uh, when he got before the judge and before the uh, a jury. Nobody could even understand how it happened or really what he did. So he got eight months probation and that was it. And he was off. No SWAT team, no jail, no prison time, no anything. Didn't even have to pay the money back. Well, if you'd known that, you know. Uh, uh, but, but here's the funny thing, and, and this is why I want to apply it. He couldn't deal with the present because the end was so unknown. He couldn't deal with now because the future was so unknown. Some of you are here today and you have not dealt with your end. You do not have a personal relationship with Jesus as your Savior. And you do not know where you're going when you you die. And can I tell you that creates enormous amounts of worry and anxiety in the present because this is all you have. This life is all you have. And here's what Jesus was trying to say. Take care of tomorrow and today is much brighter. Take care of the end. And today is much brighter. Some of you are here today and you are saved and you have taken care of your eternity. And here's what Jesus would say to you. Believe like it. Live like it. 
Trust like it. Rest like it. The biggest question of life is death. And if you have that resolved, how much more peace should we have in the present? Can I ask you a question? Where, where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to live when you die? If you know for sure that Christ is in your life and heaven is your home, what are we worried about? You say, preacher, my situation could get bad. Could it? Could it get so bad you died? It's a good thing you've got that taken care of. Ladies and gentlemen, if we trust Jesus to conquer death for us, can we not trust him to conquer life for us? So question number one that helps me deal with my worry and anxiety is what is the biggest question of life? Have you settled it? Number two, the question you need to ask yourself is what does worry accomplish? What does worry accomplish? Jesus said this, verse 27, can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? Can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? Jesus would have you ponder this question in life when you're filled with worry. Here, we all get filled with worry from time to time, right? Some more than others, some at different times than others. Here's the question. When you are filled with worry and anxiety, here's the question Jesus is asking you. What good are you doing? Really, what good are you doing? What does worry and anxiety do for your situation? Now, now planning might help your situation. Uh, a seeking advice or a counsel might help. Prayer, definitely help. Preparing might help. But what does worry and anxiety do for your situation? Well, here's what Jesus said. It will do absolutely nothing. Worry will not add one extra moment to your life. And listen, I'm not even sure of the context of that verse. Jesus may not have just meant it can't add time to your life. What Jesus may have meant is it can't add life to your life. It's not going to make you any more happy. It's not going to fix anything. It's not going to bring you any more joy. If worry isn't going to help my situation, then ask yourself, why are you worrying? If you can see it here on the screen, that is the Cholotica Bridge in Cholotica, Honduras. It area is notorious for storms and hurricanes in Central America. You know that. So this government decided to build a new bridge, a high-tech bridge in 1996 that they wanted to ensure would stand the test of any hurricane, any calamity. So they had a Japanese company come in to build a bridge, and they built a strong b bridge. As a matter of fact, it was hailed as a marvel modern-day design and engineering feat. And so Right after it was built, Hurricane Mitch came over Honduras and it just wiped out sections of Honduras. Many buildings were damaged and destroyed and bridges all over the nation were destroyed. But this bridge absolutely survived it. The bridge was barely affected at all. The funny thing is the road, the paved road that led to it was wiped out. But some of you have picked up on it already. The river's over there, and the bridge is over here. Hurricane Mitch was such a destructive force that it rerouted the river away from the bridge. 
So now Honduras has what is called by most people a bridge to nowhere. It's a bridge that doesn't help you at all. And hear me, I know many of you have a storm going on in your life, but here's what Jesus said. Your worry is just a bridge to nowhere. You'll find yourself filled with anxiety and worry, and when you do, ask yourself, what am I accomplishing by worry? Your worry causes more anxiety. Uh, Listen, you know your worry feeds on itself. Did you know that? That your worry causes more anxiety, which causes more worry, which causes more anxiety, which causes more worry, which causes more anxiety. You know what you got? You got a bridge to nowhere. And furthermore, your worry causes and anxiety causes people around you to be more anxious and their anxiousness causes you to be more anxious and it's a never-ending cycle that goes nowhere. And here's what Jesus said, your worry isn't accomplishing anything at all. So quit stressing you out, quit stressing them out. Your worry is pointless and meaningless. Question number two, what does it accomplish? Nothing. Question number three, well then does he know what I need? Does he know what I need? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, he said, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 32. Your heavenly Father. Here's the thing about worry. We are never alone. God does know exactly what you need. He is making sure your needs are cared for. We tend to worry about the things God has already promised to provide, right? Food, shelter, clothing, life, health, basic necessities. Then our focus will shift to things that are totally out of our control. Or things that will never happen to us. And here's what God was trying to say. I know what you need. Now and in the future, I know it. Quit worrying about things that are not even going to happen to you. I've got the things. I've got the things. Michael D. Montaigne said this 500 years ago. My life has been filled with terrible misfortune. Most of which never happened. Right? My life has been filled with terrible misfortune. Most of which never happened. When they did a study of our, our worry, here's what they found out. 85% of what we worry about never happened. The 15% that did happen, 79% of people discovered They could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth listening to. So here's what that means. 97% of our worry is not, is we either didn't happen or we could deal with it just fine. That means our worry is nothing more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misconceptions. 97% of it turned out to be no big deal or didn't even happen. And so our worry, our anxiety is nothing more than a fear-filled mind punishing you with exaggeration and misconceptions. misconceptions. Jesus even had a verse for that. He said, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Here's what I need you to hear me say this morning. Your heavenly Father loves you perfectly. And he knows what you need. And that should drive the fear out of our lives. Sometimes it's okay just to look to heaven 
when there's something you need or something in your life and just look to God and say, you know, you know. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. But you know. Because Jesus said our heavenly father knows what we need. Number four. Five questions. Number four is this. Well, if he knows, how do I get his attention? Right? If he knows what I need, then how do I get him looking at what I need? And here's what Jesus said. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you how do I get God's attention here it is it's very simple make your passion the pursuit of his kingdom and God will not help but notice and provide what you need one reason that we don't feel as if God is noticing us is that you are not noticing God we ignore his commands but we want him to pay attention to ours We ignore his heart, but we want him to listen to ours. We ignore his desires, but we want him to meet ours. We ignore his kingdom, but we want him to build our kingdom. We ignore his church, but we want him to do something in our lives. Look for God to start paying attention to your agenda when you start paying attention to his agenda. If you love what he loves, hear me. You will get his attention. I I, I can say this, and you'll get it. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you know the way to, you know how to get to a parent's heart or a grandparent's heart? Love on their kids. Not them, their kids or their grandkids. You know why? You love what they love, and you have their attention. I mean, honestly, you come up, you come up, you're nice to my grandkids, you pay attention to my grandkids, I'll be like, I know, that Ted Bundy's a nice guy, isn't he? I mean, I know. I mean, I mean, sure, he's had some run-ins with a few people, but that, that Ted Bundy, you, you see what he loved to my grandkids? He's a nice guy. Why? You love what I love? If you'll love what God loves, you'll get his attention. So many times we pull away from the things of the Lord when we have stress and anxiety in our lives. It's the wrong move. What does he love? Let me give you three verses. I can give you more. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved thee. Say it. Church. He loves the church. How about this? For God so loved the world. How about this? This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to not. How, How badly do you want everyone to be saved? He was willing to die for everyone. Right? If you love God's church, you love people, you love the lost, and you make those things your passion, hey, God says, I, hey, you, you take care of my kingdom, I'll take care of your kingdom. How do you get his attention? You be passionate about what he loves, and you get God's attention. Question number five, I'm finished. All right, so question number five, how do I cope day to day? Like, I get all this preacher, but how do I cope day to day? Jesus closed out this passage by saying this. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how, how do I cope 
day to day. Before you accuse me of just preaching all platitudes, hear me. I know dismissing worry and anxiety is difficult, even the Lord on our side. Like, I get it. Just because a preacher preaches a sermon on anxiety and worry, I, I get it. It's harder for me. It's harder for you than that. So how do you actually do it? Take everything Jesus has said, answer all those previous questions because every one of them will help. And then Jesus gave us this advice for coping day to day. Here's what he said. Take one day at a time. Remember, worry is about future stuff. Jesus said this, take care of today and leave tomorrow to God. How about this? You take care of today and you trust God for tomorrow. End of worry. How do I cope day to day? Do what you can do today and what you can't do you trust God for. With all you have going on in life that's causing anxiety, can you just do what needs to be done today and trust God to handle tomorrow? Just do what needs to be done today. You serve God today, he'll take care of your tomorrow. Close your, eye, close your Bibles, stand with me. Cross the room, I'm finished. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. Hey, guys, you know what? We worry a lot. The truth is our worry doesn't change anything about our circumstances. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, there is one who knows what we're going through. There's one who cares about what we're going through. And instead of worrying, instead of having anxiety, man, we just need to turn it over to Him. He loves us. He cares. He knows what we're going through. And maybe you're watching this morning. You're like, Jeremy, I, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I can't turn it over to Him. And the truth is you can start that relationship with Him today. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That includes you and includes me. We've got to be willing to admit that. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried and on the third day He rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell with the power to help us overcome worry in our lives. And then we have to confess Him as Lord and Savior of our life. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If we believe in our heart, and confess with our mouth that Jesus died, He was buried, and He rose again, then we will receive salvation. And maybe God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Christ. In the quietness of this moment, right where you are, right in your living room or your motel room or everywhere you are, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and on the third day He rose again. Lord, I ask You to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to You. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, I want to say welcome to the family. And I want to send you some information that will help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. 
you're not alone. You're a part of the family. You're a part of the Peavine family. And uh, let us walk this faith journey with you. And so we've just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. Click on that, fill out the form, and we'll connect with you this week. Hey, don't forget to pray for our Vacation Bible Extreme starting tonight. Pray that God would do a work in the lives of children and their families. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.